Good morning, everybody. Good morning. We uh, today will be learning about perhaps the only Rosh Hashanah documented in Tanakh that I can think of offhand, um, and it's actually this this what's going to be discussed here has both a very important application in halacha. This makes a very big nafkamino regarding certain halachas of Rosh Hashanah. And it also gives a tremendous insight in how we are supposed to be celebrating Rosh Hashanah. This is the source of it. So in order to understand it properly, like everything else in Tanakh, you need to have some context. So let's, let's learn this parak in Nehemiah. <clears throat> now, just, just also as an introduction, if you look through your Tanakh at home and you try to find Sefer Nehemiah, you're not going to find it. It's, it's not there. Nehemiah is part of Sefer Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah are combined. So in, in your Tanakh, it's called Sefer Ezra, but really it's two, two Sfarim, Ezra and Nehemiah. The Gemara discusses why it is that Nehemiah didn't merit to have his own Sefer and why he was just bunched together with Ezra. Some say because it's so small, and others, there's other reasons why. So let's learn this parak in Nehemiah. Now, again, one more thing is that the time period we're talking about is that Kalal Yisrael had been given permission by the Persian kings to come back to Eretz Yisrael. The Gauls Babel was over, and they had got given permission to rebuild. And the whole of Sefer Nehemiah, the majority of Sefer Nehemiah, is dedicated to how Nehemiah took upon himself to oversee the rebuilding, not the base of Mikdash, but the rebuilding of the wall around Yerushalayim. The wall around Yerushalayim had been destroyed by the Babylonians, and the Jews who were living there were a constant threat of the surrounding non-Jews and uh, different nations that were immediately and around Yerushalayim and had no interest in the Jews coming back and resettling Eretz Yisrael. And they would constantly send like these little bands of bandits to, uh, to, to plague the Jews and to bother them. So it was very important that the wall around Yerushalayim be rebuilt. And the whole Sefer of Nehemiah is dedicated to that, how much Mr. Nefesh it required, how much they had to interface with the, with the kings of, of Persia so that they uh, support the effort, and etc., and etc. And this is already after the whole wall of, around Yerushalayim has been rebuilt. The Beis HaMikdash has started the process of being rebuilt enough that they could already bring some karbanas. This was one of the first times they brought karbanas was on this Rosh Hashanah. And Ezra came a little bit after Nehemiah already had started his process of rebuilding the wall. Ezra came and Ezra was the one that actually brought the Gaila with him. He brought the Jews out of Babel and they came with him. And anybody who didn't want to come with him, and there were many, who didn't want to come with Ezra, they were comfortable in Babel, and uh, they were left behind. And interestingly, that settlement in Babel, which remained after the carbon of the first base of Mikdash, continued straight through the second carbon base of Mikdash. And that settlement in Babel, the Jewish settlement in Babel, remained for thousands of years. And it was undisturbed because they didn't go through the second carbon because they were living in Babel. And that's a whole other discussion. So this is, that's, that's the context, that's where we're holding in the framework of history. So in the Chamiya Parikhas, Vayasu Kal Ha'am Keish Echad Al Harachayev. So all the whole night, whoever was there in Yerushalayim, Keish Echad, all together, gathered Al Harachayev Ashlofnei Shar Hamayim. They gathered to the street that was in front of Shar Hamayim. That was one of the the doorways into the Harabais. 
And they told Ezra to bring a Sefer Torah that, uh, that the Sefer Torah that Hashem gave to us. So Ezra brought to the Torah. It was both men and women and any child that was old enough to understand. The first day of the seventh month, which is Rosh Hashanah. So he read the Sefer Torah in front of the street. He read from, uh, from daybreak until Chatzais. So they were sitting there listening to Kriya Satara for a long time. <laughs> if people get bored of Kriya Satara, they were not getting bored. They, they, they listened to Kriya Satara for a long time. He was giving a rabbi speech of sorts. And everybody was listening closely to the Sefer Torah. So he was standing on a platform, that they created for this purpose. And standing next to him was On his right side, there were six Tamil Chachamim. And on his left side, left side, there were six Tamil Chachamim. And Meshulam. Of these people, some of the names are familiar. Zechariah is ostensibly the Zechariah of the last three Nevi'im. And the Gemara says that one of them was Mordechai, actually. Mordechai Hatzadik, one from the Megillah. There's a different name for him. And uh, the Gemara then actually figures out where his placement was in the list. And that has some relevance to what exactly happened to Mordechai after the story of the Megillah. Another interesting thing is by the number he picked, six, the six to his right and six to his left is the reason why we have six aliyahs in Kriya Satara and Yom Kippur. So in other words, it sounds like these people were the people that got the aliyahs, perhaps. So in any case, So Ezra opened up the Sefer in front of everybody, because he was above everybody, and when he opened up the Sefer Torah, everybody stood up. So we learned that when you pick up the Sefer Torah, you need to stand. Vayvarach Ezra es Hashem ha'alekim ha'galol and Hashem and he made a bracha to Hashem vayanu kolham amen. They answered amen, amen v'mal yadehem and they answered amen with raising their hand. Vayikdu vayistachvul Hashem apayim and they bowed down and they bowed their knees and then they bowed down to Hashem, their face to the ground. <coughs> okay, so we skip a little bit and then it says vayomer nechemia. Nechemia spoke. Who hatir shasa? Another word, another name for nechemia was hatir shasa. He was called that. Because that's a combination of two words, hatir and shasa. To, it was permitted to drink. He, uh, Nehemiah, when he was in Babel, was an advisor to the king, as the great Talmud HaChemim were. And his appointed job was the wine taster of the king. He, really what his job was to serve wine to the king. But any king was always suspicious that the person who's serving him wine is trying to poison him. So if you're going to serve wine to the king, you have to be ready to taste it first. So the problem was, is that it's Yain Nesach, it's Yain Stam Yainam. The Chazal had already prohibited drinking Gaish wine. So they made a special exception for Nehemiah, that he should be able to drink wine to serve the king, and therefore he got this name, Hatr Shasa. So that's that's what he's referred to. The Ezra Kain, so Nehemiah and Ezra Kain Hasefer, who was a so a scribe, Vahalavim and the Levim Hamavinim Esaam, who were teaching the nation, the Cholham Hayyim, the whole nation that day, 
Kadosh Hu Lashem Alekechem. And they were te- teaching everybody that today, which was Rosh Hashanah, is a holy day for Hashem. Al Tis Ablu, don't mourn. Ve'al Tivku, and don't cry. Ki Boichim Kal Ha'am, because the whole nation was crying. Kishamam as when they heard what was being read from the Sefer Torah. Now, we would think that that's a good thing on Rosh Hashanah, right? I mean, you're supposed to do tshuva on Rosh Hashanah, so why were they telling him to not mourn and to not cry? The talent that's giving him, everybody seemed to be reacting in the correct way. They were taking it to heart. So, he told them, go, eat fat, fatty food, in other words, um, um, good food, the drink sweet wine, and send presents, send portions to those who don't have. So, was not something which was. Uh, it was came up on Purim. It was really something that we're supposed to do every yantiv. You're supposed to share our meal with uh, with, with uh, those who don't have, which is something the pasuk says. The pasuk always says, and every yantiv we should invite those who don't have on our table. And this is even not inviting; it's just sending. So that's part of the mitzvah of Simchas Yantiv is to eat and to share our meal with others. So send send portions to those who don't have. Because this is a holy day. Don't be sad. These are the key words here. The, the Simcha of Hashem, which means the Simchas Yantiv. That's your strength. So this was the command he gave them. And this is, as we're going to see, has, is a very relevant lahalacha. So Again, this was, they were apparently not listening. And the Levim had to quiet everybody down. Hasu, quiet down. They were crying very loudly. Because it's a holy day. Don't be sad. So they finally they listened and they laughed to eat and to drink and to send and to make a big simcha because they understood finally what was being taught to them. So we learned this parasha and this, is, this part is somewhat more well known that Ezra and Nehemiah and the Levim had to encourage everybody not to cry, not to be sad and to celebrate Rosh Hashanah and to be happy. What we can now learn a little bit of the context is why was everybody so sad? What was the Avera that they were sad about? And it's quite a significant Avera that they were sad about. Look at Perik Tess in the Chemyah. So now in the 24th day of Chaydesh uh, Tishrei, which is uh, Isruchag, or actually the day after Isruchag in Eretz Yisrael, Nesfu Bnei Yisrael the whole of Klai Yisrael gathered together and they started to fast. Ubusakim and they wore sackcloth, and they poured earth on their head. And the whole of Klai Yisrael separated themselves from the non-Jews. And they got up, and they said, on their sins, and the various that their fathers did. So what did they do? They separated themselves from the non-Jews, which means as we'll see in a moment, they were married to non-Jews. They had married non-Jewish women. And they stood up in their place. And they learned, they, they read from the Sefer Torah, that was a quarter of the day. And a quarter of the day, they said, and then they were davening to Hashem. That's all that's said in Nehemiah. But in Ezra, which is, corresponds to this story, 
it, sa- it says a little bit more, and it just gives us a, an idea of how serious this problem was, how serious this Avera was. So the next paragraph here, Ezra Parak Test, Pasuk Aleph, when they finished with what was going on earlier, Nigshu Eli, he's speaking in first person, Nigshu Eli, so Ezra says, they came to me, Hasarim, all the, the Sarim, Lamar, Loi Nivdalu Ha'am, Yisrael, Vehakayinim, Vehalavim, Me'ameharatzes, they haven't separated themselves from the nations around us. Kisoya Voisehem, and including all their idol worship, so they were marrying women from all the different nations, and all these women were idolaters, and they took them in, married them together with their, uh, with their uh, uh, accompanying religion. They married their daughters, and to their, they married the non-Jewish women to their sons too. And the holy... Uh, see, the, the, the Kedushas Yisrael was getting lost among the Amaharatzes. V'yad hasarim v'haskanim. And it's not like this is something that started out from the lower level of Klai Yisrael, the people who were, you know, uh, uh, unlearned or, 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 or not so affiliated. V'yad hasarim v'haskanim hoiseb b'mal hazeri shayna. The lords and the Choshev people in Klai Yisrael, the, the noblemen, were the first of those who, who, who transgressed this Avera and married out into the other nations. When I heard this, as we're saying, when I heard this, karati is bigdi, umeili, I tore my clothing and my coat, and I tore out from my hair of my head, and from my beard, and I sat on the floor stunned. And then they gathered to me. Anybody who cared about Hashem, what Hashem's word, because of this avera that the the, the people in Golas had done. I sat stunned until Mincha, time Mincha. And the Mincha, I stood up from my tainus, from the, my fasting. And from the kriya that I performed on my clothing, and I bowed on my knees, and I started to dab into Hashem. And I said, Hashem, my God, I'm embarrassed and I'm humiliated to even to lift my face to you. Our sins, you might be familiar with that Pasik. We say it in Davening, in Yom Kippur, since Lichas. That's a Pasik that's quoted from here from, 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 from Ezra. So a very strong language of how bad this sin was. And you continue, you see more in little the next parak in Parak Yud. And as he was davening and as he was saying, he was crying, and davening in front of the Yisrael. They gathered around him, people from Klai Yisrael, call Rav Ma'od, a, a, a tremendous um, gathering, men, women, and children, people were crying terribly, because everybody recognized the, this, the situation that they found themselves in. And just to understand it, I guess, again, in historical context, they were, they were sent into Golis. They, many of the women of, of, uh, of Klai Yisrael had been killed and been taken captive for, 
for, for, for reasons you can imagine that, that captors would take them forth. So, so there was a difficulty in them finding wives from Chal number one. Number two, they, being in Gaulus, this is the very first time Chal was ever in Gaulus. Chal was never in Gaulus before. Gaulus bubble was the first time. They had, had no experience in Gaulus. And it was all of a sudden they were living amongst the other nations. They were subservient to the other nations. The other nations had called all the shots, whether they got to work, whether they got to make money, whether they got to live or to die. And when you're put into that position of being so subservient to another nation, the natural thing to do, which is natural for any other nation, is to try to marry in so that you get some influence, you get some power, you get some control. And, of course, they knew it was an Avera, but it was something which was, it was a non-existent issue before that. There was no such thing as marrying out, because you didn't live among Gaim until this point. So it was, it was just never, something never tackled before. And when it became a test, and when it became a Yetzirah, and the situation was so terrible, it, it, many fell through. And now they're finally coming back to Eretz Yisrael, coming back to live among Jews, only with Jews, they realized what they had done. <clears throat> so Vayan Shchenya ben Yechiel mibnei Elam. So Shchenya ben Yechiel, who had been born in Elam, which was in 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 Babel. Vayemel Ezra, Nachnu Maalnu beElakenu. We have sinned against Hashem. Vaneishiv Nashim Nachrios, and we've married non-Jewish women. Meyame Haaretz. Vaata Yesh Mikvil Yisrael Azayis. Is there any hope for Klal Yisrael about this? Vaata Nichros Brisla Alakenu. Let us make a new covenant with Hashem. Lahoiti Kol Nashim to to divorce all these women, and the children that are born from them, which are not Jewish, according to the advice of what Hashem wants us to do, and those who care about what Hashem wants, let us do what the Torah tells us to do. So they asked Ezra to get up, because this is your responsibility. We will be with you. Whatever you strengthen yourself to do, we'll be, we'll be behind you. So Vayakam Ezra Ezra got up. He made them swear that they would do this to divorce their wives. and they swore. So then he got up from davening in the Beis Hamikdash. So he didn't eat and he didn't drink because he was so sad on what had happened. So when you read all this context, and you realize this was a catastrophe. This was a catastrophe. He was not aware of this, Ezra, and then he became aware of that how many people had married non-Jewish women and how many people had children with non-Jewish women. And that's not so simple to just divorce them and, and cast off the woman you'd been living with and the children that you had from her. And he realized this was going to be a huge undertaking to undo this this wrong that had been done. And he also understood, as we understand, the, the, the extent of how bad of an Avera that is to marry out. It was, it was, it was if anything, worse then, because they were real idolaters. They, they were all Avdeh those women. They, weren't, they, didn't have any, they hadn't accepted any kind of you know, Jewish faith or anything. They were real Avdeh So now you hear the whole context and how distraught he was about it, how shocked he was. And then it comes Rosh Hashanah, and everybody's crying. They're crying about this. And he tells them, no, 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 don't cry. <laughs> don't, you have it all wrong. Don't cry, don't be sad. <laughs> Go home, eat good food, drink 
sweet wine, send presents to all the other people, and be happy. So once we hear what that ver was, what, how t- bad it was, how pervasive it was, it was from the top to the bottom, the G'daylam, the, the Sarim, the, the noblemen, everybody. Everybody was involved in this Chet. How difficult it was going to be to get out of it. And everybody was rightfully sad about it. And then he tells them, no, not on Hashanah. So that we can understand how powerful this Pasuk is. Ki Hashem so as a result of this Pasuk, and before we go to understand what it means, Look at the Halacha and Shulchan Aruch in Simen Tavkov Tzadizai and Sefalaf. It says, Eichlem v'shoisim usmechim You eat and you drink and you're happy and you can't fast on Rosh Hashanah nor on Shabbat Shuvah. Amnam lo yoichlu kol sabam Don't eat to your full. Laman lo yikalu roish You shouldn't you know, become light lightheaded and disrespectful, we should have Yerush Shemaim. So we eat and we drink and we're happy in Rosh Hashanah, but we have to keep it in check because it is Rosh Hashanah and we have to, we have to act accordingly. There is a machoikas whether the second day of Rosh Hashanah is included in this or not. And some Rishonim held that you're allowed to fast on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. So even though we don't fast on either day, the, one interesting um, application of this is that if you're allowed to fast, then if you forget Yalav Yavah in benching, you don't have to repeat benching. Once you're allowed to fast, that means you don't have to eat the Suda. If you don't have to eat the Suda, then you don't have to repeat Yalav Yavah in benching. So the second day of Rosh Hashanah, many Pais can hold you don't, if you forget Yalav Yavah, you wouldn't have to repeat um, benching again because you're allowed to fast. So there's a question about the second day. But the first day, we learn from this Pasik, Chedres Hashem Hi Mu'uzchem, that it's wrong to fast and it's wrong to be sad. And what you're meant to be is happy. And the question is, how are we meant to understand this? What is this supposed to mean? This is the right way to approach Rosh Hashanah. Now we understand no matter how bad it is what we did, no matter how terrible and how much we understand how bad it is what we did, yet the right approach is to be happy. How does that make sense? So there's a famous line in one of the piyutim, which I don't believe we say this piyut, uh, but it was written by Rav um, Shlaima Ivan Gvirol, who I believe wrote um, Dror Yikra of the Shabbos Miris, and he wrote many different piyutim, beautiful piyutim. And this, this piyut was made famous by the, the Brisker Rav, <coughs> Rav Yitzchak Zev. So this is, what it, this is the line that he reads here. Elikai, my, my God, im avoini minasoi gadol, if my sin is too great to be carried. What will you do for your great name? Meaning to say, it's true for my perspective, perhaps I'm not worth saving, but from your perspective to bring Kiddush Hashem, I'm worth saving. And then it skips a little bit and it says like this, But if you're going to search out all my sins, all my averis, I will have to run away from you in fear. Elacha. Where will I run? I'll run to you. I'll have to hide myself from your anger, but where will I hide myself? In your shade, in your protection. And this is the concept of which means if we appreciate as they did, if they appreciated what they did, and they appreciated how bad it was, then they understood that they did a sin, 
and they did an avera, and they they had they were moal. The marrying uh, a non-Jewish woman, marrying an adulterer, is considered like the word moal is is a language used um, when someone uh, is is uh, unfaithful, you know, to to to, to the spouse. So they were unfaithful to Hakadosh Baruch Hu by marrying out of the of of their nation. So they, it was essentially of the worst things that can be done. And in Tavakashlavani, if you'll search out my sin, I would have to run away because I have no protection. I have nothing I can offer up, nothing I can do to protect myself. So where do I run? I run to you, to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I have to hide myself from your anger. The only place I can hang, hide myself is under your protection. The concept is the concept of bitachin. There, bitachin is has many different aspects to it and many different applications. The application of bitachin that's being discussed here is the simple fact that we are totally relying on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we know the only thing we can rely on is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the only protection we can possibly have in this situation is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that puts us in, our, in, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's camp. We go under his hashkacha. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu deals with us differently. When people are beteach in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then Hashem reacts to those people who trust Him, the people who are, who are totally cognizant of Him, are, are aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and aware of His control, Hashem deals with them differently. When we say, Chedras Hashem, Hi Mu'uzchem, He's telling them, you know what your strength is at this point. Mu'uzchem, what is going to be your strength? The only thing that's going to be your strength is Chedras Hashem. Being, having this Simcha with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when a person can only be happy, when he feels safe. A person can only be besimcha when there's no anxiety, there's no fear, there's, there's, there's no confusion. Simcha relies on that. It's impossible to be happy otherwise. Ched Hashem, if you're able to experience Ched Hashem, which means if you're able to be beteach b'ashem, if you're able to trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you're able to say, we are in your hands totally at this point, and we know that if we put ourselves in your hands and we give ourselves over to your protection, that is mu'uzchem, that's the greatest strength that you can have. So Ezra and the Levian were advising Klai that he was telling them in Rosh Hashanah, if you're going to go on the path of trying to undo your sin, if you're going to go down the path of trying to... to, to find an escape route other than just putting yourselves in the hands of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that's not going to be successful. The situation is too difficult. You have to run. But the place you have to run is Elacha. The place you have to run is Ta Kaddish Baruch Hu. Hashem talks about this at length. He says a funny mashal. He said that one Purim, he, he decided to dress up. He didn't always do that, but he decided to dress up. So he put on a beer costume. Dressed up totally like a beer. He came home, and he had a little child, four or five years old, and, and the kid saw this big beer walking, and he started crying, and he ran to his mother. And his mother told him, Don't be afraid. It's Tati. 
So he said that his son ran to him, he held his hand, but he was still crying. <laughs> he was still scared of him at the same time. So he said that on, on the surface, superficially, when we take things, be, we, don't, we stick with the superficial, it's very scary. There's an Avera, there's Midas Hadin, and there's a beer costume. But behind the beer costume is our father, is a Kaddish Baruch and we need, in one hand, to run away. But the place where we run is Takadosh Baruch And that's a, a fascinating combination of two emotions, which means we have to appreciate the fact that there's a need to run, and then the direction we run is back to Takadosh Baruch that's, that's, and that's And that's the correct approach to Rosh Hashanah, which means that we come to Rosh Hashanah and we don't kid ourselves in thinking that we have what to come with, that we have enough to guarantee that we're going to have a good year, that we, don't, we have enough to guarantee that we will be healthy and we'll have pranasa and we'll have everything that a Jew needs in the Siyad We don't come thinking that. We know, what our, you know, we know what we've accomplished, we know what we've done, and we know what we haven't, but that's not the approach we take. When we come to HaKadosh Baruch and ask Him everything that we want for a good year, we don't take that approach because that's a dangerous approach. The approach we take is the opposite. The approach we take is, as all the Tfilas and Piyutum of Rosh Hashanah, they all reflect this. They say, we're not coming with anything. We're not coming thinking that we can argue our case in a way that we can win. That's not how we're coming. We're coming with Ched We're coming running to you, HaKadosh Baruch because we know we can rely on you. We know we can put ourselves under your shade, under your protection. And the act of putting ourselves in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's protection is the greatest chus that we have as Jews. That's Mu'uzcham, that's our greatest strength. Because when we put ourselves in Hashem's protection, He protects us. Because at that point, we're getting beyond the beer costume. If we can get ourselves past the beer costume and, then, and relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu who's beyond that, who's behind that, who's within that, we can perceive HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world as our Father, then He'll protect us. That's a guarantee. That's Mu'uzcham, it's our strength. It's something we can rely on. Famously, Chazal say, Salach and Shulchan Aruch as well, that when we approach Rosh Hashanah, instead of the one way one imagined would be the right way to approach is to dress in black and to be sad. And instead, we dress in far finest clothing and we cut our hair and we cut our, we, we shower and we cut our nails, all in preparation. And the tour says the Shulchan Aruch as well, we do that because we're betuchim, because we trust in HaKadosh Baruch and it's sometimes hard to understand, how can we trust? I mean, there is Midas din and there is a Cheshbin. There is always a Din with Cheshbin. And that's not the point. The point is, yeah, of course there is that. And there's not much we can do about that. And all we can do is to put ourselves in Tarkadu Baruch's hand. And then we're putting ourselves in our Father's hand. And that is a tremendous amount of strength. That's a tremendous chus, if we're capable of doing that. If we're capable of seeing HaKadosh Baruch Hu as our father in the time when he's the judge, in the time when he is judging us, we can relate to him and we can say, we're under your protection. That puts us on a whole different level. And that brings us to the level of Banim, and then we get different treatment. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu deals with us differently. So the Chedva, if we can experience Simcha, the Simcha of knowing that we're safe, the Simcha of knowing that we're under HaKadosh Baruch Hu's protection, Mu'uzchem, that's our strength. That's the, the lesson that's learned from this parasha in Nehemiah, and it really defines 
how Jews have kept and observed Rosh Hashanah throughout the generations. Because for, if not for this, Parag, we would approach Rosh Hashanah very differently. It would look more like Tisha B'Av. And that would be what halacha would, that, uh, would, would dictate. The way we do Arab Rosh Hashanah is what we do on Rosh Hashanah. Arab Rosh Hashanah, we wake up early, we dive in slichas, we fast half a day. That's the way Rosh Hashanah would look too. And it only doesn't because we were given this secret by Ezra HaSeifer and Nehemiah. They said, no, 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 that's not the way you approach Rosh Hashanah. It's not going to help you. This is the way you approach Rosh Hashanah. Get beyond that and go to the, set, the, the core. Find HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's where your strength is going to be. Thanks,